All righty, guys, welcome back. League of Interest here, the crew are together. Well, not all of them, but uh, the main ones we'll say this week. And the ones that have been probably the men of the match the last couple of weeks. So we've got an all star crew, all star lineup. Um, straight away, NRLW grand final, boys. And um, your mob, Sid, the Dragons are in it. Um, unfortunately, fell just short to Rooster Side, who finished strong both games, the semi final and the grand final. At the time, they run. To really perfection, um, you'd say. Um, what did you make of the game? It was um, good. I think uh, the women's game has gone to another level. Um, a little bit quicker. Um, the passes were more, more, more fluent. And not stopping to catch the ball. They're, they're passing and catching on the, on the run. That was a very, very good game, apart from the result, of course. Yeah, no, I agree. And- I was the same. I sort of watched most of the, the women's games all, all year, so the, the six to seven weeks or so it was on, and I noticed that as well. I thought they, they really improved their, their techniques and skill level um, right across the game, and it was actually really good to watch those games, and I'm really excited to see the, what the end of the year has to offer after they played a few more games together with their club footy and things like that. Jace, um, I know their comp, a few of their ladies were struck by what you've unfortunately got at the moment. So hoping you, you hang tough with, with dreaded COVID. Um, but look at the commitment, guys. This is this is why it's been man in the match the last couple of weeks. This sort of impacts. Normally he's off the bench last week, but this week we've put him to start. So he had to, so he had to play. Um, what did you make of the women's game? Well, I think the women's game has come a long way. Like you, you look back, you know, the last couple of years, you sort of had your you set players that like in the whole league, there's probably like 10 elite players altogether. And that was pretty much it. And, you know, there's players filling in around, but now this new crop that's coming through, these young players, um, especially in the Rooster squad, they've got a fair few. The, the young halfback that's come through for the Dragons as well. Yeah. Great bit of skill, great kicking game as well. So this the women's game, I think, is is going to grow so quickly in the next few years. And it's it's pretty exciting to watch, mate. Like, um, the game was exciting back and forth. Uh, you know, the Roosters hung in and managed to, you know, get get over the line in the end. And there's credit to them. And they played hard the, the last game against the, the Broncos to get through. They came from behind there as well, you know. Um, Good little team they got there, and if they managed to keep that together, I think they can build a dynasty like the the Broncos have in the last few years. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think obviously the Roosters won the comp, but I want to do a special shout out to the Dragons because for mine, at the start of that comp, they probably lost the most players, and I think most people thought, you know what, they'll, they'll struggle this year. They'll, they'll probably be one of the easy beats um, to be not, not disrespectful at all. But I think this is actually sort of taking Jamie Sauer to another level. I don't think anyone ever thought he'd probably be a coach or be um, in the frame of anything like that. But you know what? If this NRLW keeps going the way it is, some of these coaches might become become on the radar of some of these other teams, like the Tigers and and the Dogs and things like that might be going, you know what? Jamie Sauer brought this group through. He might be an okay candidate moving forward for one of our, our clubs that are struggling. So, Sid, I know it's your team and... You probably watched a few of their videos online and stuff. What, has anything stuck out to you about Sal and, and what he's doing there at the club? I've actually um, been watching him for years on the NRL app. Um, they have the NRL teams and, you know, um, the, the Monday show, the rap, uh, full-time, I think it's called, or whatever it is. But And also his previews, he had these little previews. That I've met him a few times, obviously been around the club and that. 
um, in the corporate box. You can always tell, you, you know, we've, we've discussed this so many times, all, all, all five of us at various occasions. You can always tell when a bloke is talking about footy, but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And then mm. you have the flip side. You, you get a guy that doesn't give cliche answers. Oh, we're trying to get flick play the balls. We need a holder. Oh, we've got to spread it. We're going to run them around. Like the same cliche rubbish every week. But this, the, when Sauer talks, you can tell there's something about him. He knows uh, he knows the game. Obviously, he's won a comp. He's, he was a playmaker, so he would no playbooks left, right, and center. And I think he's got four daughters too. So the women's game would 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 be close to his heart as as, as it is for me because I have a I have a daughter and and she's already she's three years old and she's already asking about playing footy or playing soccer and whatever else. So um, no, it's it's really good, refreshing to see. Uh, it doesn't surprise me as well. Yeah, look, if I Griffin's got to look over his shoulder next year because I reckon um, Sad might be might be getting on the cusp there of, of having something, and we're going to talk about that a bit later on. So the Roosters won it, and that brings us on to the next point of um, the Roosters game on the weekend, and something that the chat lit up about as soon as it happened, and that's Jared Rhea Hargraves, and these this continual brain fades he has, and it's just with stupidity, which. <laughs> borderline or I, I personally said it was it looked dead set like he meant it he's trying to dead set injure players out there and I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it. you can't say it in a nice way and the fact that I'll go to the next point is after we talk about the initial point but the fact that he hasn't been really suspended or anything from it is a bit of a laughing matter for mine I think it's an absolute joke but boys uh Jace I'll go to you first because you're just just as as shocked as me in the chat when it happened but where to for this play? Because honestly, we could probably make an A4 piece of paper about the stuff he's done, and it just continually happens, and he continually gets away with it. If you go back and watch, like the, the his pretty much every single game that he's played this year, and you watch him when whenever he gets tackled and he's trying to get up, he always grabs the opposing player's leg every single time, and. He's never, ever been pinged for it until what happened with Ryan James, but that's only because Ryan James legitimately got hurt. Mm. Like, that's... Like, the NRL wants to be proactive, but they wait for something to happen before they do something about it. And even that something happened, they haven't acted on it. There's no suspension, no nothing, not even a week, you know, to let him know, you know, what you're doing is pretty stupid, you know, cut it out from your games. But he, he's been doing it all season so far. You know, I can't, I can't really remember back to last season if I remember him doing it last season. But every single time I've said, I even said it to my missus when we're watching the game, he does it every single time. And it, it only takes one incident. And that could have been Ryan James's season, honestly. He's, he's probably lucky to get away with that. Like the, the angle that his knee was at and he had it trapped. He had his head trapped behind his his knee as well as he brought him down, and that easily can pop your ACL. Oh, and so it's his it's, bad knee as well. So you could almost yeah. say he, he knew what he was doing before it happened. So yeah, it's, a, so, it's an uh, interesting one. I think it's a low act, completely low act, and he should have minimum got a week at least. You know, just uh, send a message to the rest of the comp as well. You know, cut that out of your game. Just get up and play the damn ball. Yeah, and I know, Sid, your, your thoughts pretty much uh, echo what's been said so far because of what you were like in the chat, but I'm more so with you. You can touch on that quickly, but also just the fact that there is no suspension and what sort of message is that now sending 
to the game because we'll we'll mention the next point um, now. But the junior Paulo tackle, which we'll, we'll talk about, like if, for me, if you compare both instances, uh, incidences, I'd be giving Jared Hargraves more weeks than I'd be giving Junior Paulo um, every day of the week. So uh, where, where is this sort of thing at the moment with, with Hargraves to start with, but then also the suspension side of it? Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> okay, that was a long sentence. There's, um, only, look... there's only three of them. <laughs> Yeah. Can you catch it through like laptops? Can you catch it through the phone? <laughs> Probably. They reckon five oh. G's pushing it around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look, with that, uh, there's a number of points you guys raised, and I agree with everything. Yeah, definitely, uh, very valid points. Um, the the one thing I will say, while there was no suspension, there is no. Um, it's not in the rule book. There's nothing against it, but but they can always play the wild card, which is dangerous uh, or foul play, right? Um, so that's how they could have um, um, brought him to 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 the judiciary. There will be no grading, um, and then he would just have to face the judiciary over that incident for foul play. Um, can I mention and- this one to you then? Can I mention sure. on the field of play? Isn't that wouldn't it be classed as a professional foul? And wouldn't yep. a, a sin bin should have been used? Yeah, it can be because it was intentional. It wasn't an accident. It was a, a deliberate act uh, of foul play. Um, uh, oh, oh, there's two ways you can you can do that, and that's one to stop a trial, or two to to um, you know like throw a punch and try and hurt someone illegally. Um, yeah, so definitely, and on the, on the to to sort of. Uh, Marinated into the second, into the next tackle. I think the third tackle was the Junior Paulo um, tackle. That was a legitimate tackle. And I'm telling you, we discussed this as well. I think a year ago, I said to you, it was actually after Magic Round. I said, you watch, they're gonna they're gonna start pinging blokes for tackling too hard because they want this game to be just full speed, going backwards, first down, first down, first down, like NFL. You have a crack, try and score. If you don't, then the other team backwards, backwards, backwards. There's no big hits. There's no uh, shoulder charges. There's no biff. There's no, um, <clears throat> you know, tough, tough guy. Like if you put on a big hit, the guy's going to get up and play it slowly. That's the old school. Now you put on a big hit, it's a penalty. Any hit's a penalty. The guy gets up slowly, it's a penalty. They're killing the game. And you know what? That's probably also encouraging players like Jared Rhea Hargraves to do these cheap, dirty shots because – as for a defensive player, there's no real way anymore, unless you do the one-on-one strip, which is becoming harder and harder to, to do, to really gain an advantage in defence. It, it's it's pretty much becoming an attacking-based game. And look, we still get the occasional low score, but for mine, we you needed those things like the safe shoulder charges and things like that to just be able to make a, ga- a game-changing play while you didn't have the ball. It's just so hard to do now. And just lasting on that Roosters moment, uh, I know that Uncle Nick has all his mates everywhere around the media, and I just think it's a bit of a cop-out that it's been, what, four or five days since it happened, and we've pretty much heard nothing about what Hargrave's done and, and the multiple times, as Jason pointed out, he did it throughout the night. And I just think it's pretty disgusting that they're happy to go on about the Tigers and the Dogs and all that sort of thing and Flanagan. But this, for mine, this, as Jay said, this could have destroyed... <sighs> James's career, it, it could have been that, that serious. And 
Um, the fact that no one's really spoken about it is thanks to Uncle Nick's um, persuasion with, with how he is, but I just think it's pretty poor. But, yeah, you, you've mentioned the third tackle, Junior Paulo, and that tackle, uh, that sin bin, it was, um, I'll tell you what, it, it's it was rugby. Everyone up the top there, they're probably rolling around in their grave going, what have we started to watch? What are we now watching as this great game? And I'm all, to start, I'm all with player safety. But I just don't get where they want to take rugby league. And you said it as Sid, um, it's, it's all attack. It's like touch footy almost now. It's sort of like let them attack, let them do their thing, and then you'll get the ball after six tackles if you can stop the kick, basically. If you can catch the ball on the sixth tackle, you'll have a go. And it's just becoming pretty boring, pretty robotic. It's like I was at the game live and – Live, just because of the way Brimson fell, you thought, oh, I thought straight away, I was like, oh, shit, he's gone here. But then I looked, saw the replay, and I just said straight away, shoulder to shoulder, and Brimson was just holding his shoulder the whole time. So it was a legitimate, perfect tackle. Jace, I know you, you've been a man who loves your big hits, and I've got no doubt in the in the world your tackling techniques will be changed over the years um, because of the, the rules and that. But Junior Paula, I'll tell you what, you and him are about the same size now, and... <laughs> How can you quickly change change that? Um, it's, it's you can't. Like it's how. Firstly, he's a hundred and twenty kilo guy, and you've got a bloke that's like what seventy five kilos running straight at him. It doesn't matter how Paulo was going to hit him; he was going to get hit. Like Paulo could have just stood there, not put any force in, and they, they still would have been the whiplash. Like I don't understand this whole whiplash horseshit. To be honest with you, you hit a guy that hard around the chest. You hit him on that straight across where, the, where he carries the ball and his head's always going to come forward. It's it's just physics. It's it's inertia. You, you put one force against each other and something's got to stop. Something's got to give. And how can you penalise a guy? And if they've gone back slow-mo, slow-mo, frame by frame, and it shows Paulo hitting him in the shoulder and just the sheer force of it has made his head come forward. That is not direct contact with the head. I don't care what you say. And it's an absolute joke that Paulo's gotten a suspension for it. It's... Nowadays, honestly, you're just going to have to go the old Alfie Langer-style tackle and just throw out a leg as they run past and hopefully hold on to a jersey. Like that's, that's what it's coming down to nowadays. And it's, it's sad to see what's happening to our game, man, to be honest with you. It is. And, I, yeah. and I'm all for encouraging playmakers to run the ball. We, we love to see it. But there's also <laughs> these big – the big men just can't stand it. They've got to be able to put a hit on and, and things like that. And – I just think that the worst – I'll call – first of all, I'll call Paul Kent out. He's, he's on our flog list every year, it seems like. And, again, he can go on it because last night he was going on about the neck. And as you just said, Jace, and rightly so, it was because of the hard conduct he held his neck originally because he had whiplash. It was – you get that when you get a hard tackle. So that guy's an absolute flog. If you want to come on the show, Kenty, just just give us a message and, and we'll have a chat to you. But i tell you what, it's – I'm surprised that security guard at the game wasn't placed on report for his oh, shot. Yeah, that was a bigger shot. <laughs> that was a beauty. Yeah. He's timed that to the Yeah, and somebody that's not trained for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that's not trained for it, somebody that's not paid for it, and somebody that's not insured for that thing. The players know what they're getting into when they get out in the field. Yeah. yeah it's a exactly. tough game. It's a men's game. 
And the biggest thing now I find the next part of this is that he has still got suspended for one week when pretty much every man and his dog since that tackle happened said, first of all, he shouldn't have even been uh, sin bin. Second of all, he shouldn't even be having a charge to, to his name for it. Yet the match reviews still come out when they obviously can change the ruling in that and go, no, you know what? That's a weak suspension. Like, where's the where's the game going to? They're openly now helping the referees and the bunker who make mistakes, and they're going to back them up and go, no, nah, we'll give the guy a week still. And everyone, like, you go on Facebook, and as like Jason and stuff, they don't like para, but they'll openly say that that tackle did not warrant what it, it's gotten. It's just an absolute joke. And right, where, where do you see it, Sid? Oh, yeah. Well, look, they're spiralling out of control. And, and I think there's a element of pride here where they've gone, oh, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. And they know they're killing the game, but they don't admit they've gone the wrong direction. Um, even the it's the strange thing is, even the, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a different subject, but the play the ball, how they would were uh, hitting them with six again after six again, this year they've just forgotten all about it. And now we're just all about the wrestle again. It's just... It's just stupid. It's like one rule that was on the verge of improving the game and they went away from it, and another rule that's making it worse week in, week out, making it soft, softening the game, penalising blokes getting 10 in the bin for, for breathing wrong, essentially. It's just it's out of control, mate. They, they just need to stop. They just need to stop this shit. Yeah, it is it is a joke. And, look, we, we could go on about this more and more. Jace, you got the Let's final thing? One, one more thing. Can I just say one more thing? I think the biggest part where it comes down to with the NRL is the fact that they have no accountability. doesn't matter how many calls they get wrong. If a player speaks out about it, he can, he cops a fine. Even though he's right in everything he's said, any kind of criticism upon the referees, the bunkers, anything, they get smashed with a fine. But the NRL can keep fucking up constantly and they never have to answer for it. Every now and then, Graham Annesley, the referee's coach, comes out and says, oh, yeah, you know, this this call was wrong, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? That call still fucking happens the next week. They don't learn from their fucking mistakes, and they still get off like Scott Free. There's absolutely no accountability on their part. No, 100%. And, and the other thing to back up is look at two coaches under the most pressure this year for mine would be probably Maguire and Barrett. They have to keep turning up to their press conferences. They have to keep talking each week after their team's been pumped or, or had a bad display. And these referees in the bunker who keep making these crucial mistakes that are costing teams points, and that made the game for us against the Titans a lot closer than it should have been. We we were probably a dead set 16 to 20-point better team than them that night. But because of that, they scored two tries in that instance and then all of a sudden got all the momentum. So... There's some definite questions there to be asked. And I've always said that if they're going to make coaches who lose do press conferences, I think it's only fair to have the referee, the main referee of that game, do a press conference as well to answer some of those questions. I don't think they should be protected as much as they are. It's a job. You've got to be held accountable to, to some of the calls that you make. Sid, you're under the pressure here. Um, me and Jason say a little bit on this matter, but I know it's it's basically your, your bread and butter, your club. So, Griffin... Um, for mine, and I think for a lot of play, uh, people out there, is under a bit of pressure at the moment and, and the club as a whole as well. And let me just paint the picture f- before you take over. So probably at the end of last year, most people thought the Dragons, probably bottom four team, maybe even close to Wooden Spoon for 2022. 
Then all of a sudden, because of some preseason sort of form, they looked okay and people sort of put together some of the recruits they got and the young kids coming through going, you know what? These guys might be an edge of the eight sort of team and they might actually might do something this year, might do something um, to, to worry a lot of teams. And then we've gone now to a stage where the young kids are forgotten about. The Sloans and Amone um, are sort of getting tossed to the side and players like Mbai uh, are taking the lead. And I'm scratching my head and I'm not even on a fan. And I just think every week I think the lineup will go back to Sloan. He'll be fullback. It doesn't happen. What What's happening at the moment, Sid, and, and as a true fan like you are, what, what's what's going on? Okay. The observation is that the, the preseason was in uh, the end of summer. Um, so there were some more games that were with, with a, a firm firm field. Um, I, I, don't, I think it was less wet weather. The Charity Shield was a, was a, was a good fast, fast field as well. Um, and then the first few rounds of the, the comp, we, we've been, you know, raining for so long. It's just heavy underfoot. And as Jason will tell you, I mean, even yourself, uh, Joel, you know, when it's heavy underfoot, it slows everyone down. It really evens out the playing field. Uh, those, um, those light-footed players, those twinkle-toes players, they, they, they can't do their magic. And couple that with the fact that it's wrestling all over again, WWE, um, and, and they're having trouble getting quick by the balls. And as a result, these young quick guys aren't as, as dangerous. And it's not just the Dragons, the two you mentioned. Um, and uh, I said the other week, Dane Laurie and um, uh, Jaden Campbell as well, these guys are, are struggling. Um, this year because of the because of the wrestle and because of the wet weather um, it, and with the dragons as, as more specifically to the, the issue with with Griffin um, uh, I don't know but I think he has a problem with with younger players um, you know approaching him he's very uh, he's known as a as a hard ass and he tells people straight and that's great but you gotta understand you gotta know your audience and, and you gotta understand and be able to adjust that younger players don't respond to getting whipped and getting put on show in front of everyone. They respond to one thing and one thing only, the next generation. That's you put your arm around them, you give them a cuddle, and you say, come with me and I'll show you how to win. It's the only way. And he, and it's it's come becoming more and more evident and clear why all those years ago when he came forth with that superstar young Panther team, he took them to fourth place and still got sacked yeah. because he may not be – a good man manager. He may be a good, uh, may be a good coach, um, but I don't think he, he handles the young personalities. And last but not least, Empire fullback. Seriously, if you're going to have a small player, he's got to be quick. At least Duft is quick. He's a small guy. He gets carried back and whatever else, but he scores two tries. You know, he gets trampled every line break or nearly every line break, but he's, he sets up and scores tries. Empire just does nothing. He's a slug, and he's got him at the back, and oh, it's just, it's just so ugly to watch. It's cringeworthy. Uh, yeah, Mbai for mine's a fourteen at best. I don't think he should be starting unless there's a, a massive amount of injuries. But you mentioned an interesting thing, Griffin, when he got sacked by Penrith, and now you look back on it, Penrith had a very young squad. And at back back up what you're saying about the younger guys, maybe at the time Gus seen that and thought you're not really dealing well with our youngsters, you're not getting the best out of them, which is now obviously everyone's seen that that's the case because Cleary's come along and, and won in the grand final. But um, Jace found another outsider, and I know you love to give Sid shit about the Dragons when, when you can, but even you've got to think, honestly, that 
I, one of the things I want to quickly squash is that people have said it's because of defence. The Dragons have actually been conceding more points when these two kids have been out of the team than they were when they were in the team. So the whole defensive thing can go and get shoved where it, it shouldn't be. But, Jace, where are you seeing the Dragons at the moment? It's the, it's the same situation as, like, last year with the Dogs. Like, for, for me personally, I thought, you know, last year the season was lost very early on. Why aren't they giving these young kids a crack at it? It's the same thing for the Dragons right now. Like they've like that post that I shared in the group chat, they'd won what one game since um, last year, June or July or whatever it was. At what point do you say what we're doing right now is not working? Yeah. We need to bring some young blood. And the thing is these young fellas that we're talking about, it's not like they're straight from Toyota Cup or whatever it used to be. Or you know, reserve grade. These got these are guys that have played a couple of games of first grade and proven that they they belong here. Like guys that actually perform and you know they their game break is essential. A lot of these guys and just for some reason they're just not getting a crack. They just yeah, I, I think the, the the hard the hard thing for mine is that. Where, where do you go with these youngsters now? Because he's, he's dropped them. He's dropped both of them. I'm only coming off the bench, but it's effectively a dropping because they started the preseason as being told they got the one and the six. You've shot their confidence now. So if the Dragons continue to lose a few more, and let's say they've lost six or seven in a row, and then he goes, you know what, let's get the young kids back in. Are they supposed to be the saviours? They, they, they don't have the confidence to come in and go, come with me, boys. I'll lead us to victory. Like Sloan will be will come back after his few weeks off. I can guarantee you his mindset will be shit. Don't drop this board. Don't drop this. or don't do that. And don't do this because I'm going to get dropped again. He should have at least. I don't think anyone in their right mind thought the Dragons could win the comp this year. But I think what most people thought was with these youngsters now coming through, the Dragons can actually build towards something for the next few years. And they've actually got. It's especially in the spine, and I think we can see that with the Eels at the moment, where they had. Play young players like Brown and Moses and, and Marnie, where they've stuck with them for a few years now, and they're starting to see the rewards for that. And I can guarantee you, I can tell you now, Brown hasn't had – he's had more poor games than he's had good games. But, but Brad Arthur stuck with him, and now look what he's doing. He, he's making three, four breaks a game, setting up two or three tries, and he's on fire. So I just – I feel sorry for these kids, and I, and I feel sorry for the fans because I know Sid – obviously really well. And I know he was excited to see this year. I just hope Griffin, I don't know if it's a personal thing or if he wants his pride not to be dented, but he's just got to hurry up and realise his mistake before it's too late. I think, I think the one of the biggest issues lying ahead for the Dragons is confidence. The Dragons, this group of young players that they have, probably the most promising out of any team. If they damage their their confidence now, you can forget about them. Yeah, they... yeah no, I, I agree with that 100%. And we'll, we'll see over the next couple of weeks what happens. But um, are, are you there, guys? I think we're having a bit of technical difficulty. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're back. Hopefully these boys can hear me because it's cut out for me. We can hear. Oh, you can hear me, sweet. We're back on. All right, no worries. Um, last point, boys. Um, before, for some reason, we're, we're having some a bit of rain around tonight, so it could be that. Um, the big gulf between the best teams and the the bottom teams uh, is still there, and I think a lot of us thought this year it would it would leave and it wouldn't be there anymore, but. Um, it seems to still, like, I know the first week or two we had teams like the Cowboys shot out of the gate, but we all sort of said that that's not going to last. It's going to be hard for them to to keep that up, that, that momentum, and it's it's obviously happened. And I think tipping at the moment is pretty easy. I just got a, a perfect round. I want to gloat, but it's just more so because there were so many good team versus bad team and that the bad team wasn't even there at the gate. Um what do we say in the reason is behind this, boys? And Sid, I'll start off with you, but I think I think we're all just shocked. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned the Cowboys. I'll add to the dra- the Dragons to that list. The Dragons won the first game as well. Yeah. Um, that's another story, but um, yeah, it's. People say that there's not enough talent in this game, um, but I don't think there's not there's not enough talent in this game. Um, I think there's not enough coaching talent going around. And the best being the, um, these guys are going to That's the biggest um, the salary cap is working I think because th- there's a certain appre- there's a certain apprehension from quality players to go to the poorer teams unless they get paid significantly more um, as you see with the Bulldogs and you know even Dragons signing, signing Ben Hunt for 1.2 million when a year when no one was even close to a million at the time you know um, that's just something that they had to do but it, the the golf is is worrying, and I thought I thought the the speed of the game, the six agains, were were giving the poorer teams the opportunity to 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 come into the game to have a chance um, if they can put away their their opportunities and and their momentum where it saps the other team's uh, energy and then they eventually score. Um, and now they've gone back to this wrestle, and it's the better teams that are that are doing it um, that are, that are doing it really well and. and yeah, there's a big gap already. I'd say four teams down the bottom and then the rest. Yeah, Jason, I don't want to rub this in at the moment. I'm not trying to be a smart-ass here, but you've obviously been a supporter of a team that has been pretty poor now for, for a number of years. And I think a lot of people thought there'd be an improvement this year. Not to say that there hasn't been, but there's obviously the point that you're still not not winning the games that you'd probably like to have won a few more by now already. Uh, can you put it down to anything? Because you're obviously a fan that's sticking by your team, but it must be getting quite frustrating knowing that you, you've signed quite quite well. There is, we've spoken about it before, there was some positional signs that haven't been made as of yet, but Flanagan's back and it, it's got to be a frustration. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think when it comes down to it, I think the golf is, like what Sid said, I think it comes down to coaching because you you see, like, like the dogs, you see how they've recruited. They've, 
got some really big names there, but they just can't put it together on the field for some reason. Um, and I think that does come down to coaching. I think that comes down to um, not just head coach. I think the coaching staff altogether, I think it is um, personally like um, strength and conditioning. You look at, I think, the biggest golf when it comes down to, especially with the rule changes that have come in and it's sped up the game, I think the biggest difference is the fitness like you look at the top teams, especially like Melbourne Storm, you hear about their pre-seasons and it's pretty much like Navy SEAL stuff. Like these guys are fit even before they've played their first trial match. They're, they're ridiculously fit. And with the speed of the game at the moment, I think that's that's where you see the biggest difference and it, just putting it all together on the field with the, the rest of the coaching staff as well. I don't think it's the players necessarily – I think Sid's right. I don't think um, there's a lack of players. I think it's a lack of coaching, but not just head coach, coaching staff altogether. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back you both up there with the coaching thing. I think that's the big reason why we've seen coaches like Barrett and, and Madge not really sacked yet because there's not that many to actually replace them with at the moment. So it's sort of like a catch-22 situation. Now the Dolphins are in as well. There's just an extra one you've got to sort of worry about. But one thing I'll also say, it's, I agree, I don't think it's necessarily the players, but I think it's a player's mentality these days as well, where I think that a lot of the, the teams that aren't doing well, they have a lot of players for mine who feel like, yep, yeah, I'm in the big time, I'm a first grader, and it's sort of just going to happen. Where Jace mentioned it about some of the better teams, where you've got the Storm, you've got the Roosters, you've got Penrith, and you probably throw power in there and, and stuff like that as well, where... You can see them in training in that. Even though they've done well last year, they're slaughtering themselves again. And you can just see it by the quality of their players that they're, they're getting into it. So um, it's a hard one to, to um, pinpoint, boys, but it's definitely something that the NRL need to think about this seriously now because the Dolphins coming in, they need them to be successful. And if they can't get successful, some of these other teams at the moment, how are they going to make sure the Dolphins have this success that they we all know they need to have in the first few years to be a successful joint venture? I, 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 do, do you have any answers there? They already got Bennett, so that's a good start. It's a good start, but I tell you, you can't. There's only so much a master coach can do. There's only so much. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. I remember him winning for Queensland a couple of years ago when they had no one. Yeah. It was shocking. And they when they somehow won it, he's just that type of coach. Um, but that's the first thing. Um, and what, just on the back of what Jason said earlier about, you know, the assistant coaches and um, and stuff like that, I think the um, what, what the what the clubs call that is, is infrastructure and systems. Uh, in place, so they have the systems, the infrastructure, um, and and when I say that, I don't mean just like buildings. I mean there's a there's a pathway to first grade, um, and in that pathway is developing skills and developing developing them physically as well, so they're ready for the wear and tear of first grade, and also developing them whereby if they're a halfback, they know everything the first grade halfback does. If they're a fullback, they know everything the first grade fullback does. And that's why you see players seamlessly slot in to the Rooster system, to the Melbourne system, you know. Even now, the Panthers and the Eels have uh, uh, followed suit. Um, but it's 
it's about the system in place, and that's the key. You know, um, if anyone can put a system in place, I think it's Wayne Bennett. Um, and guess what? You know what that means? That's just one other team that things like the Dragons, Tigers, the Bulldogs, and, you know, whoever else you want to add to that list um, have to now compete with, you know, Cowboys, Broncos. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah. With Bennett, I can promise you one thing. As soon as Bennett knew he had the job at Redcliffe, I can promise you before he even thought about signing his first player, he was worrying about who his coaching staff around him was going to be. Right. I promise right. you that. 100%. Well, that, that's pretty much time, boys. Before we go, quick bold prediction by each for this upcoming round. I'll go first, actually. I'll, I'll let you guys have a quick minute to think about it. I'm going to give the doggies a bit of love here. I don't think they're going to win it, but I actually know Adokar hasn't scored a try yet. And last time he versed South, he scored six. So I'm going to just go out and say Adokar will score a double. Um, I think Latrell Mitchell is a huge loss for the Bunnies, um, and I think that's going to mix them up a little bit. And I think there's going to be a bit of space out wide, and I think Adokar will will cross for a double. Uh, I don't know if it's going to generally get get the win, but we'll go from that. Jace, you got a boldy for us? Yeah, well... Also, to mention last time Ado Carr scored six against the Bunnies, he was with the Storm, not the Dogs. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I was trying to give you something. I was trying to do something for you. Yeah, I know. But and honestly, I I think watching the Dogs, how they played their last game and the direction that Flanagan actually brought the team this time, I think a full week of training, another full week of training with them, I think the Dogs will give the Bunnies a run for their money on this Good Friday, uh, Good Friday match. Sid, you That's got 10 seconds. Dogs, dogs by two. Oh, Sid, you got 10 seconds. Give us a quick one. I'm going to give you a hat trick. Uh, the dogs are going to be south. That's my bold prediction. They always play well on Good Friday. It's a very emotional game. Um, and the Easter show, people that swing over, they get their double ticket and they get to go watch the footy. It's going to be awesome. There we go, doggies fans. Good luck. Happy Easter, everyone. Enjoy the footy this weekend. It's a cracker weekend. <laughs>